Cheers. I don't see. Hey, I don't see you guys cheers. all enough, and it's great to see all you guys. And yeah. we should do Fox this wine, way, too wine, often, way too, Fox way too more often. So. <laughs> and here we are. We're recording. We're on the air. Yeah. Um, I'm your host, Dan. We're on the night, a night on the town, and I'm Jeff. And we got uh, Whirly here. Whirly, some good, some good friends of mine I've known for decades, and uh, they uh, are bands from the South Side. And uh, I heard their album again during this pandemic, mm. and I got it from Ron, one of the members, the uh, the drummer. Uh, his garage just hanging out, and I have to say, gentlemen, uh, I was impressed. I was so floored. I was amazed by it. So, uh, so, so the members uh, that are here, uh, and I, I believe, well, uh, we got Matt, Ron, Rich, and Dan, and uh, I don't think I need to say your last names, do I? No, you're no, not. No, we're all like famous by now. Yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> And I, I have to say, guys, like I, I, I heard the album and I was hoping for more, and I got it. And I'm like, please tell me this isn't like a six, a six song thing. And it was like, then it got to seven. I'm like, please tell me it's more than eight. Then it got to nine, and I'm like, please tell me it's a ten song <laughs> album. And then you guys got the song ten. I'm like, fuck yeah. And then there, and I'm like, I'm two miles away from the Tinley Park 167th exit. I'm like, that finished my 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 rush hour. Trek from Logan Square <laughs> to Tinley Park. And, and if there's girlfriend. any album that defines Tinley Park better, <laughs> right. it is <laughs> Logan Square to album. Logan Square to Tinley Park. So uh, I, I I've known all you guys, and but I, what I want to know is how you guys all met each other. Tinley Park. Hmm. I mean, it doesn't. But that that would be true for. For, for for Matt, Reforms Rich, and Ron. There is a Garden. Tinley Park There's connection all around. Dan Priestley was born in Tinley Park. What? No he, way. Correct. On the way to Palis? None of us so, were born in yeah, Tinley, no. but Priestley. Uh, I mean, he was raised in Tinley. Yeah. His parents so, are from Tinley. So, yeah, the, the, the story definitely starts in Tinley Park and the fact that uh, my know. parents probably maybe, I don't know, had, had some sort of conception in the Timber Park <laughs> High School. Yeah, we should get oh. into this. Um, but, the, the chosen um, one yeah, is Dan. It's, it's starting right away. <laughs> but uh, I was born in Harvey at the um, Ingalls Hospital, and I uh, spent some early years in Tinley. And when I met uh, Matt when we were in college, we basically broed out over the fact that, holy shit, we both went to Tinley and... We happened to be in the same seventh and eighth grade CCD class, and we didn't know it. We went to the same retreat, and we didn't know it, and we started bonding over how fucked up that retreat was. Wait, really? <laughs> Wait, really? How do you come to that? One hundred percent. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. So I want to get this out real quick. Matt's technically my first friend. Yeah, so Matt's Ron friends. and I were friends before we were born. Yeah, Matt, Matt's told me about this when yeah. I started hanging out with him. So this, my brother Mike. like Dan's story, I did not know this ever. Like, and we I had didn't a, know um, Jesus was the fifth member of the band. <laughs> <laughs> so and, um, through immaculate conception, <laughs> yes. And uh, we had a substitute um, CCD teacher for a little bit, who just so happened to be Matt's dad. Mm. <laughs> no way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's weird because so that, so that's I have your dad in a way too, <laughs> like of God. Well, <laughs> this is very true. So yeah, Dan and I bonded. So we were Dan and I met in college, and we we're bullshitting about a bunch of things, music, everything. And then when we 
realize the Tinley connection and realize the fucking CCD connection. And then we realized the retreat connection where the priest had gloves on and was miming fucking Piano Man by Billy Joel. Psychedelics are called for. And we're like, holy shit. Yeah, for psychedelics of, and flaming lips yeah, are for, called for. For, for that, those of for you that. that need some sort of psychedelics, just go to a Catholic retreat. Did, I, I, <laughs> did I stop going to CCD? Because no, we maybe. Went to, did you go to St. George? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I went to St. George. Yeah, all St. George. Yeah. Did you go to St. George? I, George I, I specifically remember Rich. Rich's quit. mom was like, "Fuck that, you don't have to go anywhere." <laughs> I, I probably quit. The, Ital- like, they, the they Italian mom. Me and, uh, Once skateboarding hit, I think I just probably just said, yeah. "Fuck it." Yeah, they made me. They made my ass go the entire time. It was terrible. <laughs> I had perfect attendance. So embarrassing. <laughs> Matt did as well. Sorry. His dad was a CCD teacher. The two cynics. That's worst case scenario. Your dad the CCD teacher. It was in the back little area, right? But so so there was there there was also Eastern Illinois. So there's Eastern Illinois. So Dan and I. It's funny because Dan lived be, uh, uh, below me. The yeah. apartment below me. Okay. And one of the first times we met, I was drunk as fuck and came back on a weeknight and I plugged in my amp and started playing like fucking some bullshit. And Dan walked upstairs and he's like, yeah, you guys got to cut that out. And I'm like, I really dig what you're playing, but not the time you're playing. Yeah. <laughs> not the time signature. I was intrigued and into it. And I was like, oh, guitar with fuzz and some distortion. I'm into it. However... Tuesday, bro. You gotta cut it out, dude. Yeah, and then so, and then Dan and I, we apologized. We felt like shit the next day. And then Dan and I started talking. And Dan is a fucking phenomenal guitarist. And he's into like progressive stuff. Like he was listening to Fish and all this stuff. And then when I actually started playing, Dan what, was what, like, year, what year was this? Was 98, 1999? 1999. Yeah. And then I remember I, I just learned how to play guitar because I just, I, I was a writer with, and I just used the guitar to write. And then I started playing a fucking simple song, and Dan's like, that's pretty cool. And then we kind of started talking about music and uh, yeah. writing songs together. Yeah. And Dan was so open to the fact, and I was like, so, like, I felt so, like, oh my God, Dan's like a real guitarist, and he's saying, like, that's cool. And, like, an approval from a real guitarist yeah, felt fucking right. awesome. Yeah. You know? And I, I, uh, I remember, like, nights. Nights and nights in, in your, your your parents' house in, in the shed. And we would jam over there. And this was like this had to have been probably just, That's when I started. This this had to have been just before just before uh uh Whirly and before you went to Eastern and we would jam in there and I, I loved I loved your like the way you played, like the, your your ear for music, like the influences that you guys had, like Rich and Matt, like I you know, I like it formed my taste of music even more than it already was. Like, you guys were definitely music connoisseurs to where uh, that, oh, like what you were playing on the guitars, I was just like, oh, man. I would jump in and say that all three of these guys opened my mind and eyes to bands that I never would have listened to ever before. So when um, I remember one of the first conversations Matt and I had was about Radiohead. That's kind of what we broke out over, and then he started going into depths about bands that were way beyond me. Like I and I actually like worked in a record store and shit, and and I was I I, I was kind of like a music hard ass. Like oh <laughs> yeah. I know my stuff. Like I, yeah. I know what's good and what's bad. And Matt gave me um, Built to Spill, Keep It Like a Secret, 
and said, you need to listen to this album. They just had that twenty year anniversary. We, I, yeah. we and Jeff went to that. And, and that was, uh, oh, no shit. I had heard yeah. I had, on my fortieth birthday. I had heard <laughs> of them before. Tally Hall, um, definitely were there as well. It was Must have amazing, yeah. yeah. And and <laughs> and at the time, I was kind of like, okay, yeah, I've heard of them. They're probably okay, whatnot. And I listened to them two or three times, and then I remember I gave the CD back to Matt, and I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. And you're like. You didn't fucking listen to it, did you? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I did. I didn't listen, listen to it. And you're like, mm, no, yeah. you need to listen to it. So I which I kept it. Which is great because Dan, um, I remember you had, as a, like Napster, I guess, maybe. Yes, was, it was totally right? the Napster. So or Kid Wire. A, you had Kid A a month oh, before it came Mike, out. From Mike Gaspar. Oh, Mike from, Gaspar. From yeah. Matt's, Matt's brother. brother. And I remember driving past Matt's house listening to Kid A. Oh, yeah. I, in your car. Oh, yeah. So so while Matt was in, at Eastern meeting Priestley, I was hanging out with Matt's brother and Rich. And then I was, like, taken to a whole other level with the influences. Like, Rich, like... Me and Rich and, uh, and and Mike, Matt's brother, were like, <laughs> we, let, let's just say we were taking experiences like from, yeah. for like a, a couple months, you know, mixing and matching things with art and music and conversation and yeah. philosophy and what have you. And the, well, Dan uh, taught me about the, the candy flipping. Oh my God! With, uh, and, uh, candy flipping. I thought this was a PG rated yeah, program. Oh, we don't have. Wait, this is this is fine. This is still fine. Yeah, we're, we're in the twenty we'll percent. <laughs> but uh, I just you know, and I, I remember us like, like the, I I remember like you were listening to Modest Mouse and Built to Spill, and I don't think I was listening to them quite yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was there was a road trip that we took to 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 St. Louis to Saint Memphis, Louis and, Memphis yeah. and then on the way back. Were, was it Modest Mouse that you were listening to, or Built to Spill? Probably both. And, and I was just like, I, I remember <laughs> yes. what, I, you had that 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 mattress, the the seats that become a mattress in your van, your your yeah. your family oh, van. Sure. <laughs> and yeah, I was in a pretty creepy van. van. Right. And oh, yeah. you were you were driving, and then I woke up because you were playing. I think it was Modest Mouse, and I'm like, is this or Built to Spill? And I and I, I said, is that what this is? And you're like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, me, you, and Mike were hanging out at that period of time, and I, I have to say, like that, that my musical taste got to take it to a whole other level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, your yeah. musical experience was probably a lot different because I think that was, those were acid-heavy years. I, I <laughs> yeah. At least for me, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I've never. So been. yeah, it was like. I don't know if the music was that much different. It was just like our take on the music. Was, our take. I, I felt changed a lot over those years. Because at the same time, when 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 Dan uh, Priestley was talking about Radiohead and how Matt brought him onto it or was saying listen to it again, like or, or was it Built to Spill? It was Built to Spill. Oh, it was Built yeah, to Spill. For sure. But Matt like, called me but like we were breaking down the lyrics and the music of like Built to Spill, Radiohead, Flaming Lips, and just like it was just like a whole other level as these like nineteen to twenty three year olds just just mm-hmm. really like we were so spoiled with nineties music, mm-hmm. and 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 like 
like I hear your album. I heard your album, and I hear the fucking nineties, man. And it was like one hundred percent. You know, you know, yeah. and it's it, it's. Well, I, I I gotta say that as far as like for me, um, they've all been my friends for a long time, and I knew they were doing shit, and it was more like. I was trying to do other bands and I was like really trying to do music and they were just like such good friends that I was like, you know what? I'm going to fucking play with them. And yeah. then cause you were just like, I mean, you just, I mean, you were already with built in and wayside, but at that time you were with stereo South or was it, was oh, it, was it, I don't know. That's right. What is it? Yeah. 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 Because okay. you did gazing at laces for no, a couple. That, Matt remembers. Matt no, remembers. No, I, I guess I, Matt has a bigger brain than I. No, do. I distinctly remember too, and I'm like, you know what? Ron might want to join our band because we'll let him do what he fucking wants. Yeah. Because no. Stereo South had like a distinct style, and it was fucking oh, awesome. Right, it was but, this, it was like, but it was just a distinct style, and like yeah, Worley, yeah, yeah. we can do whatever the, whatever the fuck, fuck we, we want. want. I didn't think yeah. in a million years you would yeah. join our band. Ron joining our band was like if. Oh, and I, 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 I John like, Bonham dropped. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> I would have been less impressed. I was thinking Tinley, Kate like, I could not Tinley Park heard about that. Joined that, our band. That, but that it, was, that like, was like what drew me to it. It was like, all right, well, I love these guys. I've been with them, you know. But we all, you know, everybody goes on a different path. I didn't go to college. You guys did your whole college thing, and that's where you guys met. And like, you know, it was just like. But we all had super long, like me, Rich, and Matt had like our whole lives. Yeah, like we've known each other our whole lives. So it was like, well, they're playing music and I'm kind of pissed off at these guys right now. You know what? I'll come out and do it like one, one time. You were. And it's like, well, I can clean this up a little bit. And Happily. I'm like, Dan, and they're like, yeah, that's cool. And like, Dan fucking comes in. I'm like, all right, fine. then we're, we're done. We're good. <laughs> and and like, you know, so like that, I Dan and I, I think really brought a tightness to it and Matt and Rich, Really a creative level. A super creative level that me and Dan were able to let them figure, or we all figure it out together. Yeah. And so it was all, yeah. I, it was super, super commutative. And it was like one of those things, like I've only had one other band that has been that creative and like willingness. Like there's, yeah. there's a, there's a problem. There's threes and fours to me in bands. Like three is a good number. Four usually falls apart. It's just because there's division. Yeah. And like if, everybody's not on the same page yeah. then it, it's gonna fall apart yeah. I mean every band falls apart but because of you know life yeah whatever so but this was just like fuck this this is fun whatever let's do this I think for the, the the other aspect to build on that and I know Ron and I have talked about this and just playing with each other as like the rhythm of a band mm -hmm. it was just it clicked immediately it was freaking awesome yeah and um, there was this understanding between the four of us of not one person is going to be the show not one person is going to be the front person yeah. um and there was a there was a mutual understanding of okay well all of us have these particular set of skills but we need to step back from them and just do what we did best which was the the four instrumental components and letting matt and rich write amazing lyrics and have these awesome kind of molded ideas for songs. Um, but that's difficult in the amount of bands that I've been in where yeah. you have individuals where somebody wants to be the show, somebody wants to be the front person. Right. No, it was um, just But pure I felt fun. that we yeah. never we yeah. never had I that. I mean it was just seriously fucking yeah. pure fun. Like yeah, like everybody everybody connected and that was that was really cool. You know, like 
Dan played bass in it, but then it was like, oh, we're recording. Like, Dan's going to fucking do lead guitars because Dan's fucking Our best killer. guitar player. <laughs> Dan's fucking guitar. But he's a fucking bass player. It's like, all right, well, Dan, you're just going to smother your shit all over this motherfucker, and we're going to make this fun. And then the, you know, uh, but, like, but then the lyrics, like the lyrics that you... Like, like they're both also, so dynamic, and all, that was all, like... With, with, with those, you know, like... But with two different vocals, we had so many different opportunities to do different styles, you yeah. know? And, like, yeah. so that mm-hmm. it, it kind of, like, we were all able to get something out of that song that we yeah. liked because of all the musical influences we're talking about earlier and, like, background of, like, oh, this 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 all, album's awesome. You got to check this out. You know, so, like, we were all kind of in that same zone of, like, listening to similar music. And it was like, well, we can make this work, you know? And just figured it out you know yeah yeah that, that, that it was great. a truly a fun super fun band awesome and you don't realize i i wanted that and i needed that i want all right i'm gonna write us i'm gonna write something but i need dan and ron to make it better please <laughs> and then you're like fuck yeah dude and i'm like fuck oh yeah. you want to do that because that's what i wanted you to do and then it was just like so everyone and then like I, I'm a writer who plays yeah. music. Right. Yeah. So like I'm and so I've always thought I could write lyrics and everything, and I thought it was a strong suit. And then Rich Roach, his lyrics like Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. And yeah. it's like they're so good. It made me who want are to the write witches you speaking of? Yeah. Like you got yeah. these two philosophical fucking gurus amazing. going on. Yeah. yeah. Like, fucking amazing. Yeah. Right? I, who I, are I, these witches you're speaking of? <laughs> every time I ask you your name. Can you tell us the story of that, Rich? Because that is, I, I love that. When, yeah, when you explained the the I think me origin me. and the analysis of that song, I was just kind of like, oh, fuck, you are the man. Holy yeah. shit. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, all that was was I got a retainer in sixth grade. And I was in speech class. I was in speech class at Kirby. I had Kirby. a speech impediment. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I couldn't say my S's. <laughs> No, and that's yeah. what I went to fucking the speech. Like, you got out of fucking yeah. school. Miss, uh, Miss Berger to... was the speech uh, therapist. At I think you're right. Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't. I don't know teachers' names, but right. <laughs> no, I remember Miss Berger. And uh, I was late for school the one day, and I had to go to the office and tell them my name. Yeah. And they, I was like Rish Roche, and they're like, "What? Rish Roche? Yeah. Or which? Which? I'm like, no, Rich Roche. Yeah. So, yeah. 20 years later, I write a who lyric these go, who are these witches you're speaking of every time I ask you your name? <laughs> wow. Wow. Which is, that was rich yeah. Something that really stuck with you clearly, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a moment yeah. of shame and embarrassment. Right. All these adults the, staring the at me like I'm a fucking freak. phenomenal. It's like, who are these witches you're speaking of? Oh, man. When, when you, you ask me your name. Yeah. It's like, fuck. Like, you know, for like us all being friends. It's like, you know, an inside joke. Not a, not a joke, but like only us would really know right, that. Right, Like, but he's just singing yeah. a lyric and people are like, oh yeah, who are these witches you're speaking of? Right. But if you no actually idea. don't know yeah. where the story comes from, you know, so that's like weird. Like, how do you translate? And that, I don't think we, you know, in any band I was ever in did that well enough. Like, you're so hyped on, on that. Right. right? That, that's right. what I love. How about am I going to convey that to someone? You know, that I'm telling them about my band. They're never going right. to know that. It's going to be like a VH1 behind the music shit. Right. You know? Right. That's like when you're dead, like, that people find that shit mm-hmm. out. Like, as an artist. Right? Well, my favorite thing about that is that 
I know I'm not going to like connect with people that have struggled with telling that trying to tell somebody that their name is Rich and them not understanding it. But like how it was such like a random weird why it has that problem too. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Right. I, mm-hmm. That was yeah. my favorite thing about writing lyrics is be so fucking random and then listening to them back and mi- having them mean something completely different than what I wrote them about. Right. Wow. Like and that was like that gave you gave it like the most freedom just to be like you could fucking do it. That's why, like, Ween was such a huge, like, when I heard Ween from your friend, Don, from Don. Yeah. Um, Schweiger. Out, mm-hmm. Don Schweiger. Mm-hmm. I was like, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Mm-hmm. And I loved the fact that you can find meaning from the most random bullshit. And that was, like, the most freeing thing about and writing lyrics. Don Milis was uh, reading a book, uh, How to Write a Song, by Jeff Tweedy. Mm-hmm. And when he was writing his lyrical content, like a uh, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot in particular, he would just write random words, whatever's coming out, yeah. whatever's coming out, and then that would be the song. And so, like, that first song on the album, you know, I'm an aquarium, dr-, like, he was just writing That's just random, shit. random thoughts where it's like, yeah. dude, your brain is, like, trying, your brain is just... And tying me- it together. The meaning finds the lyrics yeah. rather than you mm-hmm. trying to create this yeah. meaning. Yeah. Because and, and and that actually that's like a, a, a period of time when Worley was was doing their stuff. I was just actually thinking about that. Yeah. Like in two thousand two, two thousand three, yeah. yeah. I'm like, what what was I listening to? <laughs> oh, and so can that I ask, album for sure was definitely one of them. Sure. What yeah. er- what time frame did we do this? Like oh huh? two to 06, right? Was the it? album came out in oh six. So, 15, like, 15 years started, ago. Yeah, 02 to 06. I have a random years, chronological factor that I always remember oh, for... Our, the last Whirly show was at Subterranean, correct? Yeah. Correct. You guys remember that? And um, I remember right, it was right 2006. Right it was 2006 because the, uh, the Bears were really good. <laughs> <laughs> and on yeah. Sunday night, we played that show, and the Bears had a fucking night game that night and nobody showed up and it was like because everybody was at home watching the bears and i yeah. was like there oh, was about wow. there was like three people at that uh, i was like we can't outdraw the bears i'm like holy shit mm. <laughs> you know, we're mm. done it's all over mm. and i i remember like us watching the game <laughs> on stage and then, the and then going all right let's go play you know and I'm, I'm gonna throw this out too that that was that that was probably the most memorable show that we played. I thought yeah, we, I we, we can were, I tell you were something outstanding that night and it was awesome. But. I know that a lot of you like sports, but as far as a musician, I thought that sports were detrimental to becoming a musician. I'm just tell, I'm just throwing that out to well, you. I don't I don't agree. Ron, we had the conversation you're, you're, you're like because right. uh, uh was it Don who was like addicted to watching yes. Cubs games? So yeah. we we especially back in that year, all right, I watched so, it with him. All right, let's let's just throw this back to that, and this is probably where that stems from. Is that you know, so Alkaline Trio came out, we were doing Wayside, all that crap, and so then it was like, well, I want to record because I heard God all that crap being built in. <clears throat> well, built in, right, right. You know, so me and Dan decided to be in a band after that, um, but. I found out where they recorded, God damn it, and it was Matt Allison yeah. um, Atlas Studios. So yeah. then we decided that we would record there, and it actually worked out. And, and that's the same, almost the same pattern with JBTV with you. 
Like you, you um, wasn't that you? That's like, a little bit later. Okay. Yeah, for sure. But so the irony of the sports complex thing is that Matt Allison is an awesome fucking dude. You know, I still I, I saw him like two years ago at Gingerman, and like it was like crazy. You know, just to see each other and like because we had both grown up in that era when Alkaline Trio was getting big. Right? Yeah. He was their producer. God damn it. And we were recording with him. Over so on Foster and Ravensworth. Yeah, exactly. But this is where I hate music, uh, sports. <laughs> Matt Allison and Don were fucking fanatic. And, and you. Yes, but you weren't <laughs> at the sessions. Okay, so that's that's the your right. disclaimer. Okay. Is it <laughs> when I'm paying for this and taking off work mm-hmm. to do what I want to do? Mm-hmm. And we're taking breaks because the Cubs are fucking in a double header. <laughs> All right. And your engineer and your guitar player that doesn't have to work are, are <laughs> doing this. And you're like, yo, we're here to fucking make music. I get two weeks off a year and I'm taking three of those this fucking therapy, days everybody. to do this. So fucking Cubs play a thousand games. It it wasn't even like it wasn't even like the break yet. It wasn't even the playoffs. No, not even the All Star break. It was just like oh we went through winter and now (laughs) it's baseball. So let's get into the mode because this is our season. And that fucking guy interfered with that foul ball and it just all was bullshit anyway. So we yeah we became bigger fiends. So that is where I. You know, it's more of a mental thing as far as like determination and like what yeah. you're looking for, and like if you're 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 doing those two things together, they can be separate. Yeah. You know, but Absolutely. I was just more elaborating Absolutely. on what Dan had said. Like our last show, we didn't have people because fucking our friends were watching a Bears game. You know, and like that that's sad, <laughs> but I mean, just... it took a pandemic for me to bring me to bring me back. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but you're right in the fact that, that that's what I remember about that show. And I will stand by. We played a bunch of shows from 02 to 06. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is like our best show. Like we, the, 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 the performance we had, we were tight as hell. We had been playing for like four years and legit like our eventual wives were the only people. (laughs) (laughs) Not true. I do remember I had a friend from workshop. I remember who was the bassist from Horace Pinker? Greg. Greg was there. Which was the bass player for... So you do remember the select few who were there, right? And that meant a lot because Greg gave uh, some great feedback for that show. Frank saw you guys before too, my brother Frank. At that show? I don't know about that show. Greg is probably the best person in the world. Ever. He was awesome. He is awesome. I haven't talked to him, and there's some. I haven't talked to him in a, in a minute, but Greg is the best fucking person in the world. Yeah, that was. And the thing that I found most tragic about that show is we played maybe four new songs, and they were fucking awesome. And, and then, we, them? then we stopped. And they're gone. And then oh, yeah. No, they're yeah, not we, gone. Oh yeah. Priestley remembers them with anybody. I remember does. them. You remember? I, I remember. Them. I got it. I got it. <laughs> So, you guys gotta get those down. Yeah, a little. It's, it's a it's a yeah. Priestley's catalog. <laughs> <laughs> a little side note is that when uh, Manbird Belly recorded in Louisville, Kentucky, okay, we recorded uh, our album um, as Werewolf 
that never came out. But that's kind of the same situation. We got back, and we do have recordings of them, but we fucking knocked out, like, two albums after that. And it's all, like, practice space. John was recording us, John earlier. He was recording a lot of shit, so he's got, like, these, like, 25, 30 songs. But once we got back there, we were fucking on fire, just, like, you know, two practices a week. And we were knocking out, like, three songs. And just, like, you know, just... But we had it all set up, and John was into it. And then... There was a consistency. But that's the the same thing. We did have, like... We have rough versions of some fucking really good shit that just never came about again. Because, like, you're never going to do it. And I think the aspect, too, is the amount of time you put in. I I don't think a lot of people understand the fact that you could be in a band and may put out an album that has 10 songs on it but those 10 songs are never going to be a reflection of the sheer amount of hours and time and other things that you put out or or other things that you were yeah so like i I remember when when we first started like rich matt and i were basically playing with acoustic guitars in Mm -hmm. your front room for hours playing like the same songs and just feeling shit out and trying to figure out what the sound was going to be. And ultimately you may hear 10 songs on an album that's 45 minutes, but like the amount of time that went into what we were trying to create is probably hours, but you only hear a, you only hear a snapshot of it. And that goes for any band yeah. that you might yeah. possibly be so in. So like think about what we're I'm just bringing Radiohead up again because that makes a good point where their later albums, last couple albums, you're like, well, how much did they scale back on this, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea is like, you're a band, but you evolve, right? So in their case, they evolve as a band, and humans, you know, go through relationships which break up a lot of fucking bands and all that shit. So what? That's what you what you're saying is that you take a ra- a newer Radiohead album. And it's like really, there's no band in it, right? Mm. And so it's, but it is a band doing an album. Um, that's, I guess, what I'm trying to say is like so. Where so that like that's an interesting point, yeah. Uh, because me and Dan were talking about this earlier about like that era. There were there were so many bands mm-hmm. as opposed to today, right? Like, which is more like one person, one person who's right. the who's because the they show. They yeah. can do it, right? That you're putting together. But we have the technology to do it now. We do, but it's something that's taken away from mm-hmm. that element of having a group together, having that right. social element of like what's going on here. You know that that chemistry, having like, to compromise with other people, or it's just yeah. Yeah. absolutely, yeah. It's lost when you're only doing it with one person. Yeah, do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, I just remember like playing one song. It was a uh, I fucking care. I, if you ask me how to play it right now, I would have no idea how to how to play it. But I remember when we first started playing, there was like a couple of songs we did acoustically for I like hours. Do you guys remember that? Like mm-hmm. being in in mm-hmm. your front room mm-hmm. and just playing this tune, and we were just jamming on it over and over and over again. And we never did anything with that song. It never became an actual worldly song. It never became anything other than it's probably the riff and the jam that we created what that sound was. Nobody ever 
heard it and there was never any output from it, but we needed those hours and those times actually playing. Yeah, we were just so excited to like yeah. play with another person because I know you and me, we were just alone in our rooms playing and like playing with you. That was like and I, yeah, and I and I and I think that goes back to the idea of playing in a band where you're actually compromising with somebody. There's there's a collective of people trying to put something together that sounds amazing and sounds awesome, but at the same time, there's particular give and take that goes on to it. So I remember writing, um, you know, writing the song Sternum in Matt's basement. Like Rich came in with an idea, and it was a rough idea, but it took hours of us just messing around with how can we change this riff around? How can we change this chorus around? And then it didn't make any sense until Ron showed up and started laying down that drum beat. So putting down all these ideas in layers, but then actually stripping away from them is like a very difficult thing to be able to do, but yeah. ultimately it's what you have to do. Agreed. And it's fucking fun as fuck. Other nobody hears the no. Nobody hears all of that process. It's kind of a painstaking process. I remember getting into arguments with my now wife about like, well, we're six hours into recording. <laughs> you know, yeah. Song yeah. or whatever. Yeah. One song. And I, uh, yeah. One song. We, had some, we had some pissed off ladies when we yeah, made that album. You know, so I, the, I that are the artistic process. Yeah. Like I, the I, frustration. Yeah. I, I remember like all of us pissing off our then girlfriends who are now our wives basically like yeah well, we're eight hours into this one yeah. song and it's just it is what it is and I was like yeah well she's pissed at me and it's, it is what it is <laughs> <laughs> I might be single tomorrow I don't know <laughs> this song better be fucking good <laughs> but, but yeah so like then and now Let, so I want to ask a question to you guys like We'll, we'll, we'll cover the album that I was listening to, but 90s music versus 60s and 70s music. But uh, what do you guys think? I'm biased, but I think the 90s are the greatest. I, I mean, when it comes down to how it makes me feel or what it means to me, of course it, must, it might be the impressionable age I was at, yeah. but I think objectively, if I try to look at it, the 90s are the fucking best. I mean, nothing, I don't know. When you listen to Neutral Milk Hotel or Built to Spill or those early radio Flaming Hotel, Lips, Flaming Lips uh, nothing. Pixies. The fucking, yeah, I, I don't know. I, th I thought it was on a different level, but again, I'm biased. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, honestly, there's, there's really no comparison. I mean, there's no, it's like apples and oranges. They're, they're both good in their own way. Like, 60s and 70s was a different time. The diff music was very different. It was just as good as the 90s music we're more leaning towards 90s because that's our the, the time we were growing up in yeah, yeah. So i think so much of my, yeah yeah so much right. of it is based upon like that generation and that experience of being in that moment so um personally if i'm driving to work and i hear a song that is off siamese dream if we're keeping it chicago related you know the <laughs> yes, other day i'm yeah. driving in and um disarm popped on the radio oh which is an amazing song. It's not my favorite song on that album, right. but I was like, fuck, I love this fucking song. So 
And I'm driving to work, and it's like, you know, 6.45 in the morning or yeah. whatnot, but, like, I immediately was pulled into an era of my life in 1993, 94, where I was... Know, the prototypical brooding adolescent, you know. <laughs> that was my first indoor yeah, show. You know, so it's just Aragon like, Ballroom when Siamese Dream like, came out. Freaking how awesome was that show? Just December like, 93. How, how, how awesome was that? Was the the crowd show. surfing. Oh, man. But but I, The frogs I, opened up. They so sucked. Yes. Frogs. I remember the frogs. We booed them off. Everyone t- sat down and gave If we're the, talking about, nine, if we're talking about 90s finger. music, holy shit, the frogs. Dude, oh, the frogs were fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Awfully awesome. No, they were fucking special, dude. Yeah, they, they were, were something different but you, and you, something fresh. And that's, de- what, that, that's what those fans like Billy... Billy Corton and the Smashing Pumpkins saw. Like, they're like, these, this guy. Yeah, and you get, that was you get the 90s to, version of the Shags. To a particular yeah. era and in a, in a moment, and whether it's some weird, awkward-ass situation you had when you were 16, and you're like, every time I hear this song by the Smashing Pumpkins, I'm thinking of this moment or whatnot. Yeah. But um, I'm... I'm I'm assuming those are the those are the same feelings that like our parents and our grandparents had right, about right. Glenn Miller and the fucking mm. Beatles or something, yeah, yeah. you know. But to me, yeah, Glenn Miller is awesome if you were alive in 1941 or whatnot. But yeah, but that does not have that kind of particular connection to me, and that's where those those 90s albums really do. They put me in a time and a place culturally but then also intellectually where those albums are are going to represent my identity at that particular time unlike anything else 100% and obje- actually objectively we'll like the Beatles are the fucking greatest rock band right okay. and Pink Floyd like Dark Side is one of the probably the greatest albums of all time objectively but none of those mean as much to me as those bands from the 90s right absolutely yeah, yeah. You know, if I was, if, so I remember like going to my grandparents' house and seeing those Dark Side of the Moon stickers like in my grandparents' freaking garage. Like, I'm pretty sure my dad and my uncles were out there smoking reefer and listening to that album. But really, it was your grandparents? (laughs) God, that would be awesome. I had to take that one. I had to take that. You dished it up. It was like Pippin fucking. I threw it out there. I was like, "Is anybody want to take that?" That was another '90s reference, folks. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to envision my grandfather, World War II vet, out there token, listening to "Spin Inside One" of Dark Side. But he he was the one that really wrote it. Like, yeah, he was the one that created the conspiracy theory that if you play the Wizard of Oz, <laughs> it all syncs oh, up, man. No, no, it totally no, no, no. does. Oh, man. So, okay. JBTV. JBTV. Let's, let's talk about this. Like, there, there was, I mean, that's where you guys recorded. And, uh, I mean, I, I want to hear about this experience from you guys. Like, uh, I mean, what... What, what went on? What, what were you guys feeling? What? It was fucking cool to see him because I watched him as a kid because uh, we didn't have For cable sure. and I'd watch him at like 11 o'clock on mm-hmm. Channel 11, yeah. you know, on Saturdays. And, be, and Jerry Bryant, he was the only one interviewing like fucking cool bands 
and then you see him in the flesh and he's just as fucking cool and chill as he is in the TV show. It's exactly what you'd expect, you know? And his studio was fucking awesome. You know? And you got to smell him. He looks like he would be Santa Claus after going uh, backstage. Santa Claus backstage. I think yeah. I remember him like going out and getting some euros. Like he was like, I'm gonna go out and get some euros. Coming back, like he had like a particular like onion and lamb. Overall stench to him, or what are we saying? I actually went from smell to stench. Exactly what that smell was. It was Ron's burrito. It was my burrito. Now, so our friend Tim Russin was working with yeah. Jerry and Tim was doing mobile diet like mobile recording and I think that so yeah actually what what was the song that we recorded in my apartment like three of them that we wound up taking and using yeah but Stur- sternum. sternum it was sternum so yeah that's what sure. I I remember like sternum so we had this idea to record this album and we didn't have any money so we were like all right we're gonna do this you know by ourselves or whatever yeah and i was hanging out with tim russin at the time and he had recently got this gig with jerry by doing some audio for him and then jerry hit him up and jerry had the studio that he was not he had so jerry and jbtv back in the day they made money off doing jingles. So that's how Jerry and his business partner got all the money to kind of fund JBTV itself, right? Okay. <clears throat> Do you know of any famous ones that he that actually made it out of Jerry? Out of jingles. Like any jingles? Jingles? Like... Oh shit. I don't remember no. that. Yeah. But no, there he were had to have had some. There were sure. there were yeah. seriously there he's told me a lot of stories and there were a lot that he did in the in Chicago. That made him a lot of money. Yeah, he had to have. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because you know how Jerry was, like, yeah. chill. Jerry just—he was super chill, fucking blown out of his mind <laughs> all the time. Allegedly. 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 <laughs> but he had always had this like crazy like amount of money, and he had a way to make it happen. It was yeah. all like non for profit. Yeah. JBTV was. PBS, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Jerry funded it. Yeah. Like, he funded it in the craziest fucking ways. A drug dealer. <laughs> well. I mean, he had that studio. No, it no. Was, it was off Ohio, if I remember it was, correctly. Oh like, my God. It was right, yeah. 5000 like, yes. a month at the time. Downtown. For yes. each right. floor. And the floor that we recorded the drums on at Whirly. Holy shit, yeah. So, Long story short, let's get back to the the Whirly album. I guess is cool. it? I mean, we, I I love I love. Bec- no, we'll we'll get to all the the, side track, the, the JBTV stuff. But with the connection through Tim and doing the mobile stuff, we had devised this plan that we're because we were trying to save money. But me and Tim right. actually were working on jingles. He brought me in, and ah, me and nice. Tim were working on jingles at JBTV at nice. the time. So we devised a way to, because Jerry had a storage fucking floor. 5000 a like month. like Marshall Fields or Macy's or something. 5000 a month for a storage floor. 
JBTV was on one floor. What is Jerry's story? Somebody get on. <laughs> yeah. Somebody has a Google machine around. Does somebody have a Google machine to look this up? How? Yeah, what yeah, jingle did yeah. that fucking yeah. guy have? Yeah, on they were significant. Yeah. They were significant Holy jingles. Shit. They were like you know ninety seven one or like the Bears or some shit. Yeah. It, it was seven, like seven three. Yeah, it, it might have been that shit. <laughs> So, five eight eight two three hundred. Maybe that maybe that is the one. Like that shit yeah. has been around. No, forty three years old. Yeah. I know that shit. Yeah, we could call Tim right now to find out which jingle was the one that made him. But you know, and as a kid, this is si- a total fucking sidetrack. Mm-hmm. There was five eight eight two three hundred, but the the one in my five year old mind that I would compare it to was. First Metropolitan Builders, two eight two, eight six hundred, and it had to be that. It had to be that break. That's that that, that yeah. break is silent. Two eight two, eight six hundred. And there was a guy that looked just like the Empire guy, but a little younger and darker haired, still balding, with a mustache. This is the most Chicago moment of this. <laughs> yeah. Unless you unless you grew up in Chicago and you no fucking yeah, idea exactly. what about. They didn't do carpet. They built. But they were like, fuck you, Empire. We're doing one just like you. And we got we got that break in there. Two eight two eight six hundred. Oh man. Anyways. So alright, Ron. Alright, yeah. So ahead. I just want to make sure JB the point TV. before I lose it. And and this was facilitated through Jerry Bryant. And the idea was that we we had all been playing and practicing and we wanted to record an album and we all had like, you know, a two channel M box, uh Pro Tools M box yeah, to absolutely. fucking record on. So we're like, We can do this shit. Yeah. It's like, well, we only have like, I don't know, a thousand dollars together. Maybe it was like two fifty each or some shit. And burrito. You were. And burrito. I think you guys were the only ones with real jobs. Right, like me and yeah, me and Rich were working, and everybody else is like, yeah, I'm Euro flavored burrito. <laughs> yeah, we can't afford that shit. We can afford a Euro flavored burrito. Okay, I'm sorry. No, but we stole a couple hours here and there, and the price was like really reasonable. Well, yeah. So here's what I get out of it: is it. The connection while we were doing Whirly, while we were deciding to do an album, I was working with Tim doing jingles with Jerry, and he let us use the studio, and we had the space. So then I was like, well, Tim, you know, I told him about what we were doing, and I really wanted to record drums with him, like, because the drums were, like, the fucking part that we needed to record correctly. So According to Ron... Well, yeah. Be- well, no, that goes into... Uh, I'll, cor- I'll corroborate. He is correct. That, that goes into a right. lot. I stand corrected. Because the way that we recorded the drums on Whirly was the best way that I've ever fucking recorded drums. And so if you take this whole Chicago connection with Steve Albini and like the live, like the loud drum sound, right? Yeah, like yeah. the Steve Albini drum sound. Which you was, were influenced by. Right. That's what with, I was... With, with Nirvana and everything. I was 100%. going after yeah. as far as with Whirly, and so we were able to achieve that because Jerry had a second floor that was all open. It was a 5,000 square foot, 5,000 square foot floor, open floor, no room. That Foo Fighters documentary when they, when they did Chicago. And they talked about Albini's recording, what you're talking about, the 
to have that empty space above well, the Well, yeah, yeah, that's idea as far as the sound so, that to you're To let getting. the sound fully rotate. Right, so we ran, Tim was down with the idea, so we ran a snake from the, the, the first floor to the second floor, and we set up like 16 microphones for the drums. We did scratch tracks on the mm -hmm. guitar on my or Rich's computer, someone's computer, and then I played to those. And then after I, we got all the drum takes, then we all did it at home and built the songs. So we, 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 we agreed on how the songs were gonna go, right? And so then we recorded guitars as a scratch track, and then I went in with Tim and we went in this fucking 5,000 square foot room yeah. and recorded the drums with like microphones set at different places to get the room sound. So like there was no effects on the drums. Wow. It was just literally the fucking room. Yeah. You know, wow. it sounded awesome. So, and, and I remember like putting the like 57, like the sure 57s, like yeah. to do the scratch. Right. To do the scratch. In the, in, yeah. in the like rehearsal space where it was like, okay, mm -hmm. well, we're just going to, we're going to do this raw and do it as, authentic as possible just to get the takes down and yeah i remember setting those up and then the way they sounded after you had gone and done that they're 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 unbelievable like, yeah I, I remember like when when i heard those because drums legit i really think are the hardest thing to really get to sound as authentic and as professional as possible as far as for me any album that i've ever done i think that Album. And, and they, they, I stand corrected again. They, they sound absolutely amazing. But, has but the I most, remember most energy. When, like, when, those drums have the most energy to me as far as an and, album. And I remember going. I've in, ever done. We did most. We did most of the overdubs at the JB. Yeah. The JBTV studio. So we did like a lot of the scratch tracks and just like the the basic. We like, built the idea in in our rehearsal in mm -hmm. our rehearsal space, and it was basically like a Shure fifty seven mic. Like we're gonna this in front of i think we put the the sure 57 like on top of your kick pointed at your snare like that was like the the, the main sound for recording the scratch wow. track of the drums that's mm -hmm. simple and then that's we brought that simple and then we brought that in i think in that, were, in that space though in that space it was a tiny space probably about the size of this room yep. yeah and then like you guys brought that and and tim is a just a badass like the 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 vision he had for being able to take what we did mm -hmm. and honestly we did stuff very simplistically it was probably no different than like a Tascam 4 track right. cassette but we just had a big studio so, to do and, that, and then he was able to take something at that level and basically say oh no we're we can actually overdub this and make it sound large and big mm -hmm. and in Impactful. So, it was awesome. so Tim would be the fifth Tim member. Ha Tim handled. He was the George Martin of this album. Sure. He was the George Martin of that your album. album. Doesn't sound the way it is yeah. without him. For Correct. Sure. Yes, but he like because of the relationship that Tim and I had, and then right, like, you guys were good buddies. And then once we got in the studio, everybody was just like you know gelling, gelling. So yeah, there was like so. <laughs> Let's talk about the beginning of that. The beginning, right. Yeah, right. You That's were just what I was going to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, so there's nice. that one song, like the, the opening track is like, because I, I wanted to play synthesizers and I was stuck in the drums, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so like, I just want to fucking play synthesizers. Fuck, but I'll, I guess I'll play these drums because that's what you want I me to guess. do. I guess I'll play these drums. Yeah, I guess I'll play these really drums. I'm a really good drummer, I guess. I guess I'll do that. 
No, it's like, you know, that's when I'm known for, so I guess I'll do that. We when, get the greatest drummer that we know. We're like, oh my god, he's gonna play drums with us. Yeah, I guess I'm gonna like, play drums with him. I'm like, I just wanna play synthesizers. But literally, the fucking shit, like the beginning of the album, sounds exactly how this sounds right now. And like, you know, I call Matt because I'm finally off work and they're at the studio. Yeah. And I'm just like, hey, you there? He's like, yeah, I'm right there. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'll be there. How are you going to be there? I'll be there. Chill down. You know, but we have that as the backing track of the opener and, and over me playing synthesizers. And so that's but, like... But tell... I mean, Matt, you were... So the, yeah. I, was, I was recording vocals for a song and uh, it was like a break. Okay, sure, I sure. answer the phone. Tim's still recording. I talk to Ron. Tim's got a little giggle on, you know, yeah, that come yeah. on and be like, huh? and he plays it back. And I'm like, oh, and then Ron hears it. And he's like, and then Ron gets his fucking synth and says, like, and then he's like, and then we go so down, upstairs. Then we go to that the upstairs where like that storage room where the drum set were. And you're like, and you're banging on all this shit. And then Rich goes, woo! And you can hear that in the background. You can hear that in the background. Yes. And then then Tim just mixed all that together. And there's your opening track. And that's your opening track. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So we still had the drums from the the weekend before or whatever. We had the drums up there. And then it was like, we still had a microphone or two set up. It was like, we did all that. And it was like, let's go upstairs and fucking all of us bang on some drums. And so like, it was just so out of rhythm and like, then he sl- like mixed it really in the low he broke it in the apart. background you know so yeah. it's just like all of us just fucking doing some stupid shit Tim, yeah. Tim did this Tim, did this. Tim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Russell and, and so this was a random idea but the also other random idea on that was Alosha not not Alosha but oh, no it was the um... where we did the Game Boy drum beat Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was a, in, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that was a yeah, whole sing, song. Sing. Yeah, Ron's a Game Boy. So I did a, I, I get, did an acoustic. We didn't know what. <laughs> Tell the, the twenty first century people what Game Boy is. <laughs> it's a video game system. It's part of. So Ron had this little fucking thing like a Game Boy, and I recorded. No, it, it so it was track. a Nintendo um, Game Boy. It that, was a Game Boy that had a hack cartridge that would play beats. Oh. And so this, I, I had. I didn't know how to program it that well, but I programmed it enough to have this kind of swing beat. And then we had recorded the song intentionally. It was supposed to be all of us. And then I was at some point we were making creative decisions. I'm like, Matt, can you just re-record this on acoustic and sing it over this drum beat? And that's what it became. So we had the whole song and it was kind of a Coldplay-ish kind of song. Is like how it sounded with all the guitars and the drums. Everything was like very Coldplay-ish. Yeah. But then th- you could still hear all of that in it. But I was just like, it just changed the dynamic. Weird thing. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. 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 It was so perfect. Yeah. And yeah. the funny thing is that 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 rhythm's out of time. So mm-hmm. it, over the song, it kind of mixes back and forth. Mm-hmm. It's not in the same time signature as your guitar playing. Like, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> If you listen no, we to totally it, do that. It was, if, it was if bland. If you listen to it, if you decide to listen to the song, that's what happens. Shit, I'm going to listen to that. Yeah. So it goes... Yeah, so it's in like 6-4 it, it, and you're playing in 4-4. Four, four. So it overlaps dynamic. every it two. It works so unbelievably well. Yeah. Whoopsie! Yeah, so every... But, I didn't want to fix it because I didn't know how to reprogram it. But then, it but then the genius came. That's yeah, where the genius comes from. It worked. It worked. Yeah. 
it worked. It worked. And honestly, that was that was like one of those songs where I was like, I dig this song. This song's awesome. I like playing it. But then, because we played it live differently. Right, way differently. Mm. And then I remember I may have been on my way there or something, but I don't think I was around when you had programmed those drums. Mm-hmm. I remember you playing around with them. That was probably literally the, five seconds. The Game Boy sound. Because mm-hmm. that's like all I spent on up. synthesizers. Like five I remember showing up at, at JB and I was like, oh, fuck, this song is kind of like way awesomer. Right. <laughs> right. Because I think I that we were yeah, all kind of burnt out. We were burnt out on the song. Every song, every song, every song, right? Mm-hmm. So like this was just kind of like a studio mm-hmm. idea that we made it, and, and, and I really think that that, that we really that liked was, the song, and it kind of just ch- came in a different. One form. of the best mm-hmm. aspects of doing that was that we were about three years into a lot of those songs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we had played them live a certain yep. way for so long, and you know, you you obviously can play songs live a certain way and be able to recreate it with drums, bass, and two guitars right. and vocals, but when we had the and I think this is one of the things that made <coughs> that that process so fulfilling and awesome was the fact that when we sat down and we had Tim around to be able to say, hey, why don't you fuck around with this? I still remember one of the things that was awesome was he had a patch in, um, in Pro Tools that simulated a, like, a Russian mm-hmm. cosmonaut... We actually, we actually did a a jingle with that, and that's why we had it. It was fucking awesome, dude. You got to hear the original. I I have to find it. It was a thirty second, um, like jingle that Tim and I did. It was the best fucking thing that we did. And it it it, it was awesome because I remember like nobody else is gonna pick up on that. Yeah, listen to it again. Yeah, like I don't. It was called the Sputnik. The Sputnik. The Sputnik. <laughs> totally the yeah. Sputnik. So it sounds Matt, like... Matt's looking at us. He's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah. Like, I don't Matt think up on it. Fucking awesome. So that brings me to <laughs> the my... The defining <laughs> moment of this album. All right, so what that brings me to the my next Sputnik question, though. patch. My next question. So you're talking about playing live, and you're talking about recording. Were you guys at all playing live together while recording? Was, it, was, was there, like, the whole thing of everyone playing together, boom... One, two, three, four. I don't think we did Practicing, that not all. shows. For, no, I'm talking about the recording for studio. The scratch, for, for the Scratch not for, not, not for JBTV, not for this album. Yeah, we did... Um, we did like six, eight months of that, and then we did it separate. Okay. Yeah, because of the idea of recording at JBTV and the, <clears throat> and the time and money constraints of doing it, and the way that we all decided... This was way more of an artistic way to do it, yeah, and right. this this came out way better than us playing live together mm-hmm. would have ever fucking done. Mm-hmm. So rich, Matt. Vocal- so that that's a that's a punk rock mentality of like mm-hmm. yeah, know, like so voc- vocally, rich, Matt. What did that feel like? Like not playing live with with the you know the whole accompaniment. Like you just had it on your headphones, well, like. Right. So, like, how how do you intensify, have the same intensity while you're playing, singing the song is what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. I think watching Rich in the studio, Rich still had the intensity. Yeah, Rich. Yeah, I didn't have a problem, like, no. get, tapping into the intensity. Rich had no fucking problem. This is what I wanted to hear. Like, right. I want to no, hear the energy, the energy that you had to put out, Rich. Like, yeah. like because I've seen you live. And I remember my friend, my brother Frank... Uh, I think he saw you guys live before I did, yeah. and I felt fucking gut wrenched by it because it was like 
I'm, I, I, I hung out like, with you guys. He's got my drummer. These are my people. They got my drummer. And Frank was like telling me like he loved it. And he, yeah. and he, and he remembers when, when you, when you sang songs, like, Frank it was com- like, Frank complimented me. It was like Tom one, York or something. Compliments that, like, I remember over, there's like a handful of people that I remember complimenting me on, like, our band. And Frank is absolutely yeah. one of them. So were you putting out that, that whole thing, that, 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 like, Iggy Pop, like, Tom York thing that. You know, like yeah. in the recording studio. I, mean, I was influenced by the, the Tom York, how he would move. I wasn't like trying to be like him, but I. But, but yeah. when I saw him doing that, I was like, "Yeah, that's how I feel when I want to do when I sing that shit." Like I, I gotta say that I do remember when, that. Yeah, as far as Rich giving vocals, it was like three hundred percent in the studio. Like, like there was no like I I know what I know what you're trying to say, but we evolved as a band enough to all understand what our positions were and what we were trying to go for in this album. And I mean, I think as most, it's like a a completely personal album to all four of us. Um, I don't know of an album that, I mean, I I would say some like man bird, those, those albums mean a lot to me, like a really lot. But this album means just as much to me, oh, and yeah. it's not like so. I've been playing with those guys for a long, long yeah. time, you know. Right. And these guys I've known for probably way longer than them, but like played for the with them for a, a shorter years. time. Yeah. But the we go back to how well a band works together. At that moment in time, we were all on the exact same page, and we were all like, "Yeah, we want to do that." Yeah, I know how to do this. I can do this. Well, you know, Dan can do that guitar solo. And, you know, well, Matt uh, could sing this. Or whatever it was that we were all on the same page. And then, so the intensity was not lost by doing it in a separate motion. Because we all liked... You wanted to bring voice to every single entity. So all the music that we liked together... Yeah, would come to that. Yeah. So it's a listening experience. Yeah, as far as that's. Concerned. I loved it. You know, and that brings me to Matt. Like, like when I heard the album, I have to say, I I, I got tear jerk when you were singing. Like, you know, like it's like uh, the like the 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 love and the philosophy and just like that. The, like the, the, there's that heartache that I was feeling. Maybe it was because I was stoned. That was rush hour. Because I got high. But <laughs> maybe it's because I know all you guys. But I, 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 and I'm like, I was excited to hear it. But at the same time, like, man, like a, a, it, that was a, as as much of a mind bender as as Rich's lyrics. Like, like it's it's a whole other element. Like, oh, that, that's the, nice the contrast hear. is fucking amazing. It, 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 I, I really love the contrast. I did too. That's and, I think what I was the best. Like the two, two of them together, that's what I think really made the band. Yeah. Well, what I loved is like so. Again, and we, thank you for saying that because yeah. I was singing. It was always a, a bit of insecurity for me because, like I said, I'm a writer. I'm a writer who sings. I'm a writer who plays music. Yeah. I'm not a singer or a musician or a guitarist. Right. Yeah. I'm a writer first or an yeah. artist first. Yeah. And I just wanted to make beautiful art. And when I heard Rich's music, I'm like, 
he can write beautiful art. It's amazing. <laughs> so, and, and then Rich and, and I... It's two distinct so different then, things. And Rich right. and I have this mutual appreciation thing going on, and then we're like, oh, we sh- I wish we could do this, and then I'm like... I met Dan in college. This guy is the fucking greatest guitarist I've ever seen. Yep. And he would play <laughs> still, with us. Still. Right? And Man, then still. Dan starts playing with us. And then we tried one drummer that didn't work. And then also, like, do you think we could maybe get Ron? You know? And then it's like, Ron, Ron's like, fine, I'll help you play the show. And Ron's playing with us. And like I said before, Ron was thinking, you know what? I could probably try some things out in this band. And then the cool thing was, it's like, Here's my idea. Here are my lyrics. Your Dude. lyrics, though. Like, well, were you writing that? Like, did you already have, like, no, he a had whole, all that. Do you already have a journal of lyrics or whatever? No, no. Or they had... as, Was it as you were writing? As... I would. So Rich and I would come complete with lyrics and musical ideas. And then we would filter them through Dan and Ron. So Dan would be like, all right, we're going to play it this way. And then Ron would be like, you know what? You know how you do that? We're going to do this instead. And then I'd say, thank you, thank you. The song, I would say, you just made the song better, thank you. And, and it was just yeah. like, okay, but, that was... But you I, two were the also the voices, so I don't think that there should be anything like discounted for that. No, because no, like, no. the experience, as, as much as you guys brought to the table, which was yeah. tremendous, like, and, you know, it's awesome, like, those voices that you guys brought... And that energy and artistic. So I think the one thing that's super freaking cool and awesome about it is that mm-hmm. we'd be playing live, and I would be able to internalize what their lyrics were and what the presentation were. And there's a different dynamic. You guys are definitely differently yeah. dynamic in yeah. what your presentation. As far as, yeah, as far as a band, I, two I different, know. two two mm-hmm. different voices. As far as a band is concerned, I don't think of one band I know of. Yeah, I've never really thought about mm-hmm. it. It's just like, oh, you have two singers. Like, but yeah, as far as dynamics, like contrast, both of you guys. Like, yeah, and, and it, it's crazy. Yeah, and, you I, get the, and I hate to, I, I but, hate to bring the comparison no, there, of the Beatles, but there is that that essence of that too with you guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, we, definitely we, Lennon, right? I was. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. See, that's the thing. You guys, we both were share, more, fucking. We ours. thought of it more of a Chuck D and Flavor Flav. <laughs> <laughs> Because you're sharing both aspects, but like with with the Harrison, the Lennon, the McCartney, and and then I'm hearing the other things like of all the '90s influences. With both but I remember like we when we were trying to put together names for this for the for the songs on the album, and obviously, you know, people look to an album and they think of like these different names and assume that people when they write the songs are like, oh, the name of this song is gonna be. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But, like, we did not have names for a lot of the songs. Yeah, correct. And when we had these conversations, and I remember just thinking about m- most of Matt's lyrics, a lot of them, and you brought this up, were weirdly kind of, like, religion. connected to, re- yeah. to religion yeah. and faith. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, listening to those lyrics live. We'd be playing them, and I'm like, yeah, this, this song is got those deep connect yeah. connectivities to like religion and faith and like we kind of intro this podcast we're talking about chicago area region like this connectivity Preach back to going back to saint george and going wow. back to Old this, is, this is this is why they pay me the big bucks man i can always bring it back to full circle wow and then like we're not paying them <laughs> and then like Rich, your lyrics were fucking intense and like really deeply like per 
personal and emotional. It's and like I remember <laughs> like I, I I found like this this role of like I'm I'm glad that I'm able to like take these awesome presentations and these lyrics and 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 puts put a little bit of backing to like fulfill them a little bit because they're at their core just amazing and awesome and I think that when you think about those lyrics and how they came out on the album those were the those were kind of to me the the concepts and that's the dynamics we're yeah. talking about Amen. is that you have like these <laughs> these deep lyrics that are like very analytical about faith whatever that may mean whether it's religious or how you interpret them growing up going to fucking ccd classes or whatever, or whatever mm. yeah. but then going back to the like i always just felt like rich your your lyrics were 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 deeply emotional and personal to the point where spiritual. you kind of did those two things in the same vein of being very spiritual, but they were done in a very different method. Yeah. And they were fucking awesome. Like I every just, night I, I like listened to you guys sing and they were so vastly different, but just so ultimately like awesome. And I have so, to say Rich Roach yeah. is one of my favorite lyricists. And yep. I fucking like, and we, we haven't even mentioned how fucking funny he is. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, I all, just wanted to add all, on to what you're I think saying. The, I is think the folks out there have heard. Yeah. But like, all pair nightmare, Before, real quick. Right. At the end of all, so all pair nightmare. If I can just like shower praise on three people right here. Which track is that? Is that That's on, is the that, last one? It's the last track. So Dan, we were, we were stuck with that song because our old drummer had a very different version, which was cool. So then we're stuck, and then Dan says, this is how we're playing the guitar. And I go, thank you? And then I know what to play now. And then Ron came up with the coolest fucking drum beat I've ever heard in my life. And when I listen to that song, I listen to, sometimes I only listen to the drum beat. And the best is when Ron has the fucking rim of the drum. I'm like, god damn, that's fucking good. And then the fucking song, Rick, the, the... what Rich is going through, and then how fucking heartfelt that song is, and at the at the end when it breaks down, she's going over the water, she's gonna babysit. Do they even call it babysitting over there? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude! And it's like dot 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 ellipses. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but uh, the drums and the fucking arrangement by dude, Dan and Dan, Rich, and I'm like, oh. And that so that's a later song. Yes. Yeah. And Dan like did a lot of the arrangement on that, and like at that point it was like, you know, Dan was like it was like it was Rich's song, but like Dan had the vision for it at that point. It was like, all right, well we're gonna do this. Right. It's like so Dan was playing guitar a little bit, and then he'd go back on the bass and like show you guys what to do, and like, all right, so like we would jam and like. Dude, all of that. Like, Dude, your drums, though, on that fucking yeah. song. Oh. Holy shit. But, like, all right, so, gotta, no, all right, you got to at least acknowledge, as, as you're saying it, your, your drums. Your drums in like, that fucking song. <laughs> you're down and just right. kind of... But, but Ron joined the band. So. Like, I I would bleed every time we played that song because <laughs> no, I try right? to keep up with those fucking drums and I so have blood all So, the drums... This is very true. <laughs> and I, I actually, I think that I... Song, that song, the, the drums. Blood the drums on... In the... In the verses, those drums are solely like based off of your melody and his vocal melody. Yeah. So it's just like kind of like the groove off of your do 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 do, and then he's going ba 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 ba, and so like the drums are just like. Oh, we actually did that on this on this on this segment. Ba 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 ba. I love it. I love it. But I'm just saying that. 
I I don't remember like what my favorite drums are, but you know, it, like what I've recorded. But when you guys just said that, I got really excited. I was like, yes, that, <laughs> Ooh, that yeah. is, so that cool is such that, a good... And that was purposely, I feel like, the last song on that album because we were like, okay, this was... I don't know. To me, there's there's ten... Was it ten songs on that ten album? Song. Ten songs. And, and that was the one where we're like, holy shit, that was the, that was the song that, was the that I feel drop. like all of four of us right. came together at the same Tied point to right. say... And okay, can I, I just want to add. Yeah. Road. I just want to add one more to that song because the drums on that song remind me of Frill. Oh, wow! Way back. Wow! Way back. So that's the Jeff beginnings. Dura that's the beginning. And Jay Quilly. That's the and beginnings. We'll play this after. We'll play the song right now after we end this. Yeah. And you'll understand what I'm saying. The so, dr- folks. If you could, because is, Jeff is it on YouTube. Can we find Frill on YouTube? No. no, no Can you no. put it on fucking YouTube? Uh, <laughs> we had camcorders back then, Dan. <laughs> but we didn't you, have the intranet. You still have intranet. demos where you could put it out there. We don't That's have what in, I'm saying. We have one tape. Now we do. If anybody's got the tape, Jeff, you got the tape? I, I might have it. I, I have to go do some digging, but I might have it. Jeff <laughs> might folks, have the tape. Folks, stay I tuned. I know Jura has a tape. Yeah. Folks, stay tuned for Frill. So. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, we'll fly them in. So, the, so the last Jeff track, will come in for that. <laughs> the last track Jeff will come in. Hey, that's for that. that's awesome. I'm ready for. Him. I'll call him right now. So the last track for Whirly, mm-hmm. that uh, that Talk ties it all together, that puts the whole thing in a bow. Yeah. And you guys had to bring it on home there, and no, we you, didn't know how to play that song. No. not at the end of a show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're right. We're right about that. So that was your closer. Was it really? It's a fucking I think every yeah. every time. You yeah. couldn't play that song after that time. song. I don't think it's we long. Were. It was long. It was long. It, was and long, it fucking ends that, so intensely. Right, 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 right. That's right. like dun, 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 dun. You, Fuck you, off. You, you cannot continue, after, done. That. You no. cannot continue no. after that. Rich is no, Rich is not lying when he says that. I and think at least half of the band was bleeding all over their instruments. Because I know for a fact you and I would leave, and it's like yeah, and I couldn't sing after that. Like I no, I remember you could not. Yeah. yeah. So generally, as a rule, if you were ever in a band before, like the year twenty twenty one, if you played a show generally once a week or once every two weeks, you would not practice the week after. Mm-hmm. You needed that break. No, I don't know why. Yeah, to recover. But that was just like, and as far as Chicago goes. Every band that I've been in, like, <laughs> yeah. all right, we're going to work for three weeks to play the show. We got the show on a Tuesday at 5.30 <laughs> at in yeah. front of, like, you know, this new Jamba Juice. <laughs> it's in the back of a burrito bar. Yeah, yeah the big and horse. The, the big horse. The big horse. Yo, the big get a horse. burrito and then watch the show. Dude. And then get another burrito on the way out. We got a show at the big horse. It's at 7.15 <laughs> to 7.45. Bro, why is oh, nobody showing up? It's a Tuesday night. Hey, dude, it's a Tuesday night. But it, Holy shit. I know that it's going to take you 35 minutes to find parking, but we're playing for 15 minutes. <laughs> that that was Chicago's answer to Bourbon Street was that strip. And, and if, if you want to totally ditch out on work, and then, you know, like she one and a half songs of us. That'd be so cool. And then there's burritos in front. Yeah, it was asking a lot. Yeah, yeah. 
This like encapsulates everything about Chicago in yeah. 2004. Right. I mean, Whirly. Like, this entire, Whirly. like this entire discussion. And Whirly like, was a part of that period. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. We to find. Yeah. Hanging out in the elbow room at 4.45 in the morning waiting for your $30. Of... <laughs> oh, how much did we make tonight? Dude, oh, we did sweet. play the elbow room a lot. A we lot. did, we did. <laughs> That's a great space. It's a great space. Can I tell you one last story all right, about the Alba Room? All right. All right, so this goes back in... All right, so this will kind of tie... We have the Chicago, religion, all these things together. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay, one story. All right. No pressure. No pressure. Yeah. Six words. <laughs> yeah, six words, four syllables. 30 seconds, go. <laughs> So, Matt and I are really, really... And we're out. No, I'm kidding. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Obviously, Matt and I are kind of like technically first friends ever, like on this earth and that's shit. That's what I would say. You know, so we're going to go with that because that's kind of a cool thing to say. Yeah. And, you know, whether we liked each other a lot or whatever. <laughs> We've been like, you know. So, Matt, I think, I think you turned me on to the Walkman. Okay, I've yeah. really got to say you probably did. I don't remember where I heard it from, but uh, I really, truly enjoyed that band. It changed mm. me a lot. We were just talking about how I, you know, posted that video of the, the Farfisa through the Fender, and that is straight up just from learning about the Walkman. And so then I believe you and I went to Shuba's to see yep. him, right? Yep. So... And I remember them being, you know, at the table and shit. And, you know, like, I, I think I had that album, so I didn't get something. Like Great that. smaller venue. Oh, fantastic. They, dude, to like, see the Walkman at What is that, about two, three hundred? I saw the Walkman two, twice people? at Shuba's best shows ever. Yeah. Best. Two, three hundred people. Yeah, Fucking yeah. best. Belmont, Be what was it, Belmont Southport? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, last, like, the past, because of COVID and all this shit and, like, you know, it's social media, it's, like, because of the people that I have associated with and kind of made connections, there was... Okay, so this is where this goes. We played the Elbow Room a lot, right? Mm -hmm. Tim Russin, we recorded the album with, right? Mm -hmm. Tim Russin one day hits There's me up connection. because he says, you know, I remember you liked the Walkman a lot, right? Walkman, I like from you. I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, I like the Walkman. He's like, do you still have your Fender Twin Reverb? I'm like, yeah. He's like, uh, you like the Walkman? I'm like, yeah. He's like, uh, would you want to borrow it for their XRT show? And so I'm like, yeah. Okay, so now, because SRX or SSR. No, there's a, what is the, does anybody know? I was thinking too. XRT, does, Ron? Does anybody know the The equipment? coolest radio station on Chicago FM? XRT? <laughs> no, keep going. It's possible. It was at one point. Uh, there's a rental company point, right. for musical instruments. I think it's called SRX or something. Mm, yeah, like. yeah. Anyways, they're right up here in Logan. And Tim was trying to help the people putting on the show find the equipment. And so he hit me up on, you know, a weekend or whatever. Like, yeah, sure. I'll definitely, you know, use my 
friend or twin. Well, then a week goes by and my affiliation with Jake from CNC, I was like, oh, me and Jake were texting. And he's like, oh, um, Matt might be interested in a drum set. So it was from like, the Walkman. Yeah, from the Walkman. So then I said, do you guys need a drum set? So I, I lent my drum set and that to that. You know, and so then it's like this whole relationship between you showing me the Walkman mm -hmm. and Tim recording us and Jake from CNC Drums and just all of that relationship around the Walkman. That was fucking cool. I remember I remember you texting me at that day. I'm like, no fucking way. I was like excited for you and jealous. That was fucking awesome. And now you got his fucking keyboard, right? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, guys, thank you for uh, being here. Thank you this for inviting awesome. us, Dan. It's been fucking awesome. Like, I, like, like I said, I heard the. the uh, I, I was at the hanging out at Ron's, uh, who, who also lives in Logan Square, a few blocks uh, up the street, and we were in his garage, and he stumbled upon uh, the Worley albums, and he's like. We have a hundred copies. <laughs> <laughs> we ordered so, uh, like legit, like <laughs> legit, maybe two hundred copies. Yeah, I, I've never heard this album, so uh, I'll take one. All right. <laughs> so, I like legit, yeah. We how do we how do we do this? So think, we've been I, talking this whole time. So we got to get it on a digital. So level. we have we have to get it on. A we have a hundred CDs. I think it yeah, is digital. All right. So we have two hundred or three hundred CDs. <laughs> so here's band the camp, thing. Bandcamp, brother. Come on. No, 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 no. We're on we're, Spotify. We're on, we're on a podcast. Oh, all right. It's on Spotify. Spotify. But we're, we're promoting it on this podcast. Yes, right we now. are. Yes, we are. So, how, how can we. Maybe splice some songs in. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I think there's a way that. Yeah. Dan will do that. If we get some support. Dan. Dan, my brother. Yes. How do we set this up where. You do some promotion. I'll promote. The, I'll promote. Uh, on this. on For this episode. Yeah. And then. We'll give those CDs out. Yeah, that, that, that's let's get them. Let's get them distributed. Get, yeah, we'll 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 get that going. I mean, however, we can do it as cheaply that's, as possible. That sounds like a wonderful idea to promote. Yeah, the podcast. Worley, and yeah. Worley both. Both. Yeah. <laughs> we have we have say we have three hundred CDs. That's that's true. I mean, is, is, is that what's happening? Give it a guess. Give it I a guess. I would say that's a I conservative say, estimate. I would say uh, that maybe the, if we run out of the first run, we ordered three fifty and uh, we got three hundred left. <laughs> we so, probably have six hundred fifty left. So, but but the Whirly album is there. But and, it's material. So and, think and, about... And, and we want to hand them out to you folks. Yes. And we're going to figure out a way and for that to happen. if we can do it greenly without disposing these in the garbage. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and which, we can redistribute which they, this we, plastic. Which they get a CD player with every I was, purchase. I was going to say, there's this, there was this medium Now, if we get Sony to CD. hit us up with a CD player for <laughs> oh every purchase God, of this CD. We'll get it to a digital level, folks. Now we're on to something. We'll get it to a digital. For the record, it is available on Apple. Uh, it took us it, it took us Generation Xers that much time to figure that one out. Folks. Bear with us. Rock and roll is alive and it's here and it's kicking and we're still alive because we're a part of that era and you are too if you're here. And uh thank you Worley. 
Thank you, Dan. Dan, Rich, Ron, Thank you. Matt. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, thank you guys. That was... So, yeah. that. And, and, and if you can't tell who's playing the percussions, it's the fucking drummer. <laughs> so, folks, so it's the fucking life. drummer. Till next time, uh, this is the Night of the Town. And uh, we had Whirling, and I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Jeff. Good night. So, we're back because. We forgot to tell you the origins of this name of the band Whirly. Yeah. So let's let let's hear it, guys. Let's let, let's let's let's. How did this come? How does it come about the name Whirly? So Dan and I were history majors at Eastern Illinois University. The Harvard of the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you tell yourself? <laughs> That's what I tell myself. So we were probably about six months in with this band, and then all of a sudden we're like, we should probably have a fucking name, and then we we're like. We were thinking about it and everything, and I think it was my brother Mike who came out and she said, "Who's your fucking favorite professor from from Eastern?" And we're like, "Dr. Worley." And he's like, "Name the band Worley," and we're like, "Yeah." Wow. Yeah, wow. and I think there there was wow. like this idea where well, we need to have at least a like a, a temporary band name. I don't think we mentioned at any point that it was going to be something permanent, right? But it. it like that was that was ultimately what we came to. We were just like, okay, well, that sounds amazing and that sounds awesome. So <laughs> and the spelling, so, we're gonna name it. So you, you both had the same professor and Correct. you both. Yeah. So I had him master. for yeah. three oh, classes. Right. Dan, how many classes did Two. you take with him? Two. Yeah. Okay, and then. Whirly record, he was the shit. Whirly was, was the fucking awesome. best, and we would like hang out with him at bars, like watching shows with him and shit. He was fucking wow. great. Yeah, he was. Uh, Does he have any idea that we named the band? No, no. <laughs> no. And we've actually seen him a couple you, times since. Correct. No. And you I remember. Definitely need to yeah, let him know. And man. I remember like. Could you let, imagine if some fucking you kids get, that you taught? You can get rid of one of the CDs by sending it to me. The last time we were we 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 went down was about 2011 ish, 12 ish. Mm -hmm. We went down for a homecoming and we ran into him and Mm -hmm. we're shooting the shit and we were just like, did we tell him we 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 formed a band and named it after? Because when I hear Whirly, I think Whirly, W H I R L Y. I think that was kind of what we were thinking. Like, that. Eh, but it's spelled people. differently. Yeah. And Dan, sure. you're right. That's what I liked most about it was the spelling. Yeah. We, so we talked the spelling? about that for sure. Let's tell the folks out there what the spelling W E H R L E. It is, looks cool. Which is the spelling of your professor. Correct. Yes. He was the that fucking best, and he was from the East Coast, so he had almost like a Boston accent. He'd be like, "All right, guys, so I'm gonna, hey, then I'm gonna tell you, no, wait, that's not a good Boston accent." It was a, it was a weird East Coast accent. It was like, it was like a combo of like Baltimore, Christopher Walken. It was like Russian slash Michigan slash he, he called me out once for showing up late to class. I thought the class started at 3.30, but it started at 3, and I rolled in, and he was just like, oh, Dan, you know, there's uh, there's uh, these things called clocks in the bars, and if you just look at them, maybe you'd show up on time. And I was like, you are the fucking best. Bandit time. And what, I'm like, you just burned me at the same time as I'm walking your class, and I'm fucking cool with it, because that was awesome. And one thing I remember about him, and I'm, I'll fuck up the accent again, but we were talking about there was some sort of demonstration going on. East Coast accents are hard for sure. And though. do you remember when we were talking about that one demonstration we saw, and then we come in the next day and we tell him about it? He's like, "Yeah, well, uh, you got well, 
those poli-sci guys, they're just fucking dumb. We didn't say fucking, but he's like, those poli-sci guys are just dumb, but the philosophy guys, you gotta watch out, because they're really smart, but they're morally corrupt. <laughs> All right. On that note, Spot folks. On. on that note, that's where we that's that, that's where we go down now. Uh, thank you, folks. Uh, on this uh, May Eve, 2021, I'm your host Dan, and I'm Jeff, and that was Burley. And until uh, next time, folks. <laughs> Do you remember?